0: the grace of our lord jesus christ that though he was rich yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich and that kind of ties us right in with that last song we were singing you are worthy of your name that name is what's being um, what's being drawn attention to in philippians chapter two when it says have this attitude that was in jesus christ right who being found in fashion as a man humbled himself um And uh, being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient um, unto death, even the death of the cross. And for this reason, God has also given him a, a name that is above every other name. So when we're singing that song, You Are Worthy of Your Name, that song is reminding us that Jesus has a name that is above every other name. There have been many great names of people who have done great things along the way but nobody is even in the same category as our Lord Jesus Christ and so he has been given he's been given this name that is above every other name because he took it all the way down to the dregs he sacrificed and gave everything that he had and everything that he was in order to fulfill God's mission and God's purpose and because he did that because he came from ultimate height and went down to like in unimaginable depth on our behalf and that's really what's what's coming through in this simple passage of Scripture found in 2nd Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9 and we'll be looking more at that passage because that that passage there 2nd Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 probably has more to say about giving the actual dynamics of giving in the New Testament than any other passage that I'm aware of so we will be giving that a little attention um, as we uh, move along here today but let's take a moment let's Seek the Lord's presence and help and insight and guidance as we investigate his word. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day. Thank you for this wonderful place. Thank you for everybody who's here. Thank you for the effort that it took, because I'm sure that it took effort for more than a few people to get it all together and get the kids together and get everything going and and just to get out to church this morning most of the people in our culture are really not that interested at the moment in being in church and uh, and attending to the uh, the relationship into to faith but I just thank you Lord for this church family that you're building right here and I thank you for um, everyone who's here this morning and I pray that uh, words will be able to bring forth a harvest of good fruit and joy and excitement in living for you, the adventure of living for you. So bless our time, we pray this morning. Lord, have your way. Holy Spirit, uh, take this word and, and apply it to our hearts and may it bring forth an abundance of good fruit. We ask, we ask this now in Jesus' name and for his sake. And everybody said, <coughs> all right, the grace of giving, for you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, that's what giving is. Giving is a grace. It is. It's. You might call it a virtue. Okay? A couple of weeks ago I had mentioned in one of my messages that I've been pondering and maybe we'll we'll actually deliver this one of these days, but a thought came to mind about a couple of messages that would be helpful. Is your Christianity a matter of controlling vice or cultivating virtue? Right? Now, our Christianity can be about controlling vice because we all have a lot of bad in us right yeah. I, 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 maybe on this side how about on, on this, this side do we all have a lot of bad in us yeah we absolutely do right so and we know if that bad gets out if that bad takes over if it if it has its way I can create a lot of problems and a lot of trouble in a very short amount of time right I'm capable of doing a lot of wrong stuff but because of the Spirit of God and the grace of God um, that's gone that's done that old man is crucified in Christ and as Paul said nevertheless I live but it's not I it's Christ who now lives within me And the life that I now live I live by faith in the Son of God he goes on to say who loved me and who gave himself for me so the whole idea is you can if, if you have a focus such that you're always thinking about the bad stuff that you're doing or might be doing and and you and your your Christianity is primarily focused on um, controlling vice that will only get you so far in this it is an important thing to be able to control bad behavior and that's where self-control and the fruit of the spirit and all of that comes in so that's not irrelevant and it's not something that has no significance but the real goal here is to cultivate virtue in other words to become like Jesus so d- to deliberately do things, speak things, say things, act in a certain way in an attempt to replicate the beautiful life of the Lord Jesus, and we can do that now. And you can't do that before you're saved, because you don't even know that's to be done. And anything that we might do that might seem like it's virtuous was probably just selfish to begin with, or self-serving or self-centered in some way, because that's how th- that's how bad we are. That even when we try to do something good, it's usually got a bad motive to it, some selfish motive to it. So, so um, <clears throat> with that in mind, this this uh, title, the grace of giving, that's what God wants to encourage us in. in. In the New Testament, there is no hard-edged coercion in terms of giving. It is all an appeal, an appeal to on the basis of what God has given to us. What will we give in response to that? How will we, we reciprocate God's incredible uh, gift? Like the very end of this, uh, you know, as you can see, we're in Second Corinthians chapter eight and eight and nine. As I said, are, are very um, have a great deal in there about giving per se, because Paul was raising up an offering there and he was telling people how he wanted things done. Um, but at the <clears throat> at the very end, one moment. The very last verse in chapter 9 verse 15 he says thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift okay so that's he's grounding everything that he's going to talk about in terms of what God has done God has set the standard and he says thanks be for his unspeakable inexpressible or another translation says just his too wonderful for words gift which is what our Lord Jesus is so you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich so we've been doing some teaching over the last little while here about giving we've been to a number of different places both in the Old Testament and the New Testament because this is a this is a concept that is deeply rooted in all of Scripture and there are important insights to be gained both from the Old Testament and the New Testament. In fact, the basic concept, as it relates to giving, is really exactly the same. Some of the di- dynamics are a little different, <clears throat> but the basic concept, or what it is that God wants to work in us in terms of our giving, and again, we you know, uh, we don't want to just localize this all just to money and dollars and cents and stuff like that. That's just one aspect of what we have to give and what we are capable of giving. So. It's just, it's a a matter of whether or not we are allowing God to cultivate within us a giving heart. And he has a way of responding to that, as we'll see in a little while. But we've got to get there in the first place. So here's the teaching um, as it's presented in the Old Testament regarding giving. When God brought his people out of slavery in Egypt, In Egypt and into Canaan, he gave them a rich, fertile land. Of all they produced on this good land, God required that they give him the first tenth. This was called the tithe. The word tithe means the tenth, which I'm sure you know by now. The purpose of the tithe was to remind people of God's ownership of everything (coughs) and to teach them to put God first in their life. So it was a way in which God had set things up so that the very first things that they would harvest, the very first of their cattle that would reproduce, a tenth of that would go to the Lord again to remind them that God owned everything and to teach them to put God first in their life. God had been ex- exceedingly generous to Israel. When he brought them out of Egypt, he said, I'm going to give you houses that you haven't built. Would you like that if someone would give you a house that you haven't built? That that wouldn't be bad. I'm going to give you trees that you haven't planted, fruit trees that you haven't planted. I'm going to give you wells that you haven't dug. In other words, God was being extraordinarily generous to these people who had been, at that point, 400 years in slavery. And now we're coming out, and now we're going through the Sinai Peninsula and through the wilderness out there. And and his but his goal was to bring them in to all of the wealth and the riches that he had for them in the land of Canaan. <clears throat> Here's what the Bible says. Um of Oh, yeah, there it is. All the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. So he allowed them to keep nine tenths of everything that they produced, but the tithe or the first tenth belonged. To him in addition to their tithes God's people also gave freewill offerings they were told to bring their tithes and offerings when they came to worship God here's that Old Testament admonition they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of the Lord your God which he has given you so God was teaching his people to be givers when they, gave freely to, uh, when they gave out of their abundance and when they freely gave to God, um, God blessed them with rain and with abundant harvest. Here's what the Bible says. And although this is Old Testament, this is so applicable. We'll, uh, I'll ask the question in a moment, but I, this is so applicable. Here's what God said in the Proverbs. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. All right. Now, how many have experienced that? All right. In other words, you 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 gave to God. And you gave out of what you had, and you gave it cheerfully and happily and lovingly and all of that. And you found that God blessed you in ways that you weren't even anticipating or expecting. Right? He says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting. With wine. Now, regarding the tithe, the tithe was not something that the faithful people in Israel gave. Emphasizing the word, they didn't give a tithe; they paid a tithe, they brought a tithe. It was essentially an Old Testament tax to which, by covenant, they were obligated. Its purpose was to support the priests and the Levites, and the temple, and the feasts, and and then once every third year, they would um, have an additional tithe. In order to um, care for the poor and to make uh, to make provision for the poor, and so there were three tithes: one for the care and support of the priesthood, one for the use and maintenance of the temple um, and the feasts that took place every year; every third year, one for the poor. So it amounted to a 23.3% tax on the people of Israel to support the government, the structure, um, all that all that was there to keep that. Going, they had to pay 23.3 and then they were asked to give offerings on top of that. And that was what we read about before when he said, No one is to come before me <coughs> empty handed. So, were God's people in the Old Testament always faithful to this? Not hardly. Over time, they had abandoned the practice of tithing or they started to give kind of, uh, that's the right word. <coughs> an unworthy tithe all right they would bring a damaged a, a blind animal or you know uh, maybe some of the crop that had already you know rotted away or something like that but they weren't really giving god their best and if you think all the way back to the story of adam and eve and cain and abel And both Cain and Abel offered sacrifices, but Cain's was rejected and Abel's wasn't. And the difference was that Cain just brought whatever he brought. It was just like, yeah, whatever, I'll give it to God. But Abel brought of the firstlings, it says, firstlings and of the fat of his flock. So he took the very best stuff that he had and he gave it to God (coughs) and God accepted that. So um, over time, as the people failed in their obedience to God regarding this whole tithing matter, I'm sorry, God withheld His blessings, and in the the particular case of the uh, passages that we'll look at, that blessing particularly was rain, and God had withheld rain, and so they were not getting their their crops; they were not getting uh, the the abundant harvest that that they had desired. And here's what God said. He said, "Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me." But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and in offerings. What happened when they robbed God? Well, they came under a curse, under God's chastening hand. God said, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. When God's people repented, however, of their disobedience and began once again to obey him in the matter of tithes and offerings, God promised to pour out his blessing on them. Here's what he said. And I want you to notice in this verse because there's something unique. I think I may have already mentioned it over the course of some of these of these uh, messages. But in the Old Testament, there's a command to not tempt the Lord. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. Meaning, you should you will not put God to the test over things. Now you may remember remember the story of Gideon when God called Gideon and he was supposed to go out and fight the Midianites and he was not sure whether or not this was God and it was kind of a big, uh, a big challenge. And so he left the fleece of the, of the ram outside and he said, well, if, if I wake up in the morning and the only thing wet is the fleece of the ram, then God, I know you'll talk, you're talking to me. So he went out the next morning, there's no dew anywhere, but the fleece was soaking wet. And he said, gee, maybe God is trying to say something to me here. And so he said, All right, we'll, we'll try it the other way. Tomorrow, if everything is wet except the fleece, then I'll know that you're talking to me. Now that really is God honored it because He was asking him to do something that was a little um, out of His wheelhouse for sure. <clears throat> but um, the, in the Old Testament, we, t- Old Testament, we are told not to tempt God. When Jesus is, is tempted by the devil, the devil takes him up into the the, the, the highest tower in the uh, in the temple, and he says, "Throw yourself down from here, for it is written." He will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways, lest you dash your foot against a stone. All right. So what he was uh, urging Jesus to do is just throw himself down because hey, you know God's got your back on all this kind of stuff. Jesus says also written, "You shall not tempt the Lord your God." Right. So we're not told we're told not to do things specifically just just to force God's hand in some way. Okay. But here's what God does say to these people. In uh, the book of Malachi bring all the ties into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this other translations will say and test me now says the Lord of hosts if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it that's God that's That's God's promise. Actually, this whole message is kind of filled with things that God is speaking to those people, but still speaking to us today about this whole idea of being a generous giver or giving out of the the cheerfulness of one's heart. In effect, God was saying, you're not being faithful, you're robbing me, so I'm withholding some blessings. And so God withheld his blessings of the rain. Now, here's what's important after all of this. This verse of scripture and this whole passage of scripture and this concept of tithing does not apply to New Testament believers. <gasps> oh, Pastor Steve didn't just say that, did he? This verse of scripture does not apply to New Testament believers. It was part of the Old Testament covenant system, okay, for the support of the priesthood, temple, all the stuff that was um, that was part of of Israel, right? But. Um, But this whole idea of tithing is not a New Testament concept, because there's something deeper that God wants to to draw out of us, and you can't get it out of a person's life by commanding it or requiring it. There are certain things that only come forth out of our life when God has touched us in the deepest part of who we are, and it unlocks that old you know like he talks about the heart of stone right we, we, we by nature have this stony hard heart we're kinda tight with our stuff and we're not necessarily you know too open-handed about things because, because we're fearful that we, there won't be more or there won't be enough or and we're, it's kind of just part of the of, of the insecurity of life on planet Earth right but God is looking to show us that though if if we live within his structure if we live within his jurisdiction everything that we need and much more will be provided and made available to us because he is by nature a generous god and that's really the the heart of the whole thing and that's why the tithing thing although it was it certainly was Um, uh, uh, An important part of the Old Testament system. But these days, it no longer applies, not in that legalistic type of sense, because God is looking to um, draw something different out of us. He's he's looking to um, help us to become cheerful givers. However, the thing that's important is that all of these lessons in there they're all truths that are applicable in other words the tithe itself and the the tithe system may not be specifically something that I have to do but the truths that are behind all that when God is saying hey listen you get faithful on this thing you do what I'm what 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 I'm putting in your heart to do and you do that before me you become that generous giver and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you that you do not have room to receive wouldn't you love that, right? How many have ever experienced that? Okay, and that's what the that's what the Lord is looking to to uh, to inspire us with that whole idea, that kind of a notion of giving. Okay, so here's here's the uh, the, the New Testament, what the New Testament. Oops, where are we there? ok the teaching of the New Testament about regarding giving on the first day of every week each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper in the New Testament the idea of giving was meant to be a matter of the heart not a matter of legalistic obligation so this morning I'd like to uh, visit a couple of the uh, major New Testament passages that concern this particular subject and I want to look at second Corinthians Chapter 8 and verses and chapter 9 to see how Paul instructed the people of Corinth concerning giving. Here's the starting point. Okay. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Now he's going to kind of set them up with this little story. He's going to set the people of Corinth. It's a little bit tongue in cheek, and it's actually kind of it's kind of humorous almost because he's Paul has been going around there there's there's famine and deep poverty in Jerusalem the people who have become Christians have been cut off from all their other friends their relatives because they now are followers of Christ and so they are utterly ostracized from the Jewish community so they have fallen on some seriously hard times look at this guy what a sweet man thank you bro all right it reminds me of a little story uh, a number of years ago, probably like around nineteen maybe ninety one ninety two there's a hospital down in Wanaque it's still uh, it's still there, I think but it was specifically a hospital third and fourth floor were a hospital was a hospital for AIDS patients and AIDS was still pretty pretty scary and pretty radical it, I mean <laughs> I'd say it probably still is, but, you know, it, it's, it, it is not quite as uh, what it was back in the late 80s and 90s when it first came about. And so I used to go there with uh, this guitar player friend of mine, and we'd go down there like maybe once or twice a month, and we'd just go around, bring the guitars, and play uh, some songs. And there was a lot of men there who were in pretty bad shape. And this one guy had been a pastor. The black guy had been a pastor for years and years, and then he, you know, he got involved in things he shouldn't have gotten involved in, and caught contracted AIDS. So I went in there and I'm playing some songs and we're doing some church stuff like that, you know. And I see his mouth was all parts and stuff. So I went out and, and got a cup of water, right? And so uh, I gave it to him and he's sitting there. He's very weak and he goes like, thank you, brother. And I said, well, you know, I'm only doing it because I'm, I'm, I'm doing it for the reward, that's all. You know, so Jesus says, if you give a cup of, cup of water in my name, you will not lose your reward. That's scripture, you know. So th- this guy right like without, without missing a beat goes, I believe the Lord said cold water. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Give me that. Anyway, thank you for the cup of you will not lose your reward, my brother. <clears throat> so he's setting them up in this in this passage of scripture. Um because he's been going around and visiting all these churches, churches that he's planted, churches where he's taught, church, churches that he's pastored, all these churches in the like the Asia Minor, Macedonia area, and um, and he's collecting money. But he doesn't want there to be any kind of coercion. Doesn't want there to be some big fanfare about the whole thing. He's just letting them know before uh, that he comes before he comes that he's coming, and uh, so he's writing now to the people of Corinth. And he's going to tell them all about what the people of Macedonia have been doing. And the people of Macedonia have been really blowing him away because they, they're very, very poor. But they were just as eager as they could possibly be to be part of this collection, part of this gift. And he wants to use that to be a bit of a, a little goad for these people in Corinth, right? So that they won't, they won't look bad. So here's what he says. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God. That has been given among the churches of Macedonia for in a severe test of affliction their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part for they gave according to their means as I can testify and beyond their means of their own accord begging us earnestly for the favor Of taking part in the relief of the Saints and this not as we expected but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us all right so he's bragging on these people from Macedonia and he's saying look at these people are dirt poor They were begging for an opportunity, and I couldn't believe the kind of money that they raised up. And so he's just kind of setting the people of Corinth up a little bit, and a little later on, he's going to say to them, "I just I would feel really bad if I got there and you were embarrassed in some way, you know." So it's it's kind of a a funny and, and personal story. But notice the last verse, okay? That last verse is really where everything starts. Everything comes from that idea. But they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us that's the key God doesn't need your money God is not broke God is not stingy what God wants is our life our heart our loyalty our obedience God wants us to give our, our ourself to him because if you give yourself to God then your money's like your money will come along with you right but giving ourselves Wholeheartedly, and that's really the way it should be, because Jesus came and gave Himself in totality to us. Right. In other words, God set the standard on this thing. He says, "Okay, here's the, here's my, here's my ante." Okay, what do you got? Right. So Jesus comes down and, uh, like that passage we were thinking about before in Philippians, you know, He being found in fashion as a man, He humbled Himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Okay. So Jesus gave it all up, and so we are being encouraged to give ourselves fully to the Lord and fully to to the will of God for our life. That's where it all starts. The Bible says that we are God's stewards. A steward is one who manages the money or property of another person. As God's stewards, we are accountable to him for the way we manage the things that he entrusts unto us. And there are few things that have a greater potential to have a hold on our heart and our life than finances. This is why Jesus clearly teaches, you cannot serve God and money. He says, no man can serve two masters. Either he will love the one and hate the other or vice versa. But it is not possible to love two masters. So how do I how do I make it clear that money is not my master? Because I'll bet you, if, you know, like if, if, if all hearts could be disclosed here right now, many of us would say, man, I, money has been my master all my life. You know, I go, I work all week long for it and I save it and I try to put, put some finances, some savings. And, you know what I mean? Like money is such an important big deal in our life. How do I actually get to a place where I can say, yes, my money is something that is in submission or that I am a steward of to God? Well, that's where this whole offering thing comes from. This idea of taking something every first day of the week and putting it aside and uh, and rendering it to the Lord. So, in this lesson, we're going to learn how to be good stewards here this morning. To be able to take the things that God has given to us and make them available to Him. The great principle in the Bible. Here we go. The great principle in the Bible regarding giving. You ready? When we give to God... God gives to us not very complicated right it's pretty simple math on there when we give to God God will give to us here's what the the Lord Jesus says regarding this very thing give and it will be given to you good measure pressed down shaken together running over He's, he's laying it on thick here right in other words he is making it clear look you're going to get more than you gave if you give you will people will give to you God will give to you God will see to it that things come rolling through you because when we are let's say a well stopper right if you're a well stopper so the well doesn't flow anymore because you got it capped nothing nothing can flow out that that oftentimes can be can characterize the way that we actually live our life. We're like, you know, guarding every dime and every nickel and every penny, right? And and God can't allow the the um, the flow of things to happen there because I'm I'm the guy that said I'm the gatekeeper. I'm the well stopper. But as we learn to be cheerful, cheerfully generous about things like that, then God can just allow more and more things because he knows they're not gonna they're not gonna destroy you. They're not gonna wreck your character or wreck your life. And so this is the this is the great truth of the Bible as simple as it could possibly be when we give to God God gives to us Jesus says give and it'll be given to you good measure pressed down shaken together running over will be put into your lap for with the measure you use it will be measured back to you That's the principle that's the concept right that God is waiting to see okay here's what he put on the table let's see how Let's see how they react to that. There's a a little phrase that came to mind while I was just working this message up, and it brought me back to Bible college. We first got saved, and there was a, a guy out there who was the dean of men, and this was one of his famous sayings, but I have found it to be absolutely true. So I want you to think for a second. What is your greatest lack in life? What's the thing that, you're nervous about not having, or you're not, you're, you're you're insecure about having more of that. Maybe it is money. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's any number of things. Here's here's what the uh, brother Dutka's famous expression was, and and if you you should write this one down because this is this is really good, right? Whatever you give to God, you will never lack for. That is true. Whatever you give to God, you just, just doing some music here this morning. Okay, when I, was, when I got saved, I was a full-time musician. We played in clubs and all of that, right? But when I got saved, I knew they had to go. So the first week, I think second week, that um, we went to church, I took my guitar, I brought it up. after I didn't, I didn't want to make a big th- thing out of it. But I took my guitar, I brought it up to the front, front of the church and placed it on the platform. It was a way in which I was saying to God, this is no longer God in my life. You are God, and I surrender this to you. The funny part about music is that I gave it up. I really yielded it over to the Lord. God has given so much back. So, I, and just in terms of this, I'm one of the few people that I know who is a musician that's got a place to play all the time. It's really true. You know, because it's not like lots of bars and clubs and lots of work for musicians and stuff like that. No, there's like all these really, really talented music people out there that are just sitting in their basement maybe and, and uh, on, in their woodshed and like plucking away. Am I right, Mike? Right? There's just tons of people out there. That, and, and, But what, I, what amazes me is that I gave it to God. God, had, God has given it back in, in so many, um, so many times over. So whatever you give to God, you will never lack for give your time to him. give your life to him give your money to him give your health to him give your family to him whatever you give to God you will never lack for when God gives he gives bountifully God is very generous in Jesus time people brought their grain to the to the temple in bulk right many sellers would just pour the grain into a measure without allowing the buyer to you know shake it on down into the basket a little bit but that's not the way it is with the Lord he gives good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over. Giving motivates God to give to us. Giving makes it clear that God can give more because then it's just going to keep on it's, it's going to keep on cycling. That's the way it's supposed to work. It breaks down to some pretty simple math. The more we give, the more God gives to us. The less we give, the less God gives to us. I set the standard. That's why there's no need to put a percentage on it, because I set the standard, okay? Brings us back to the, to the passage in question found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Here we go. The point is this, Paul says, and again, that he's talking to these people in Corinth, and he's telling them about the offering that was taken in Macedonia and how well these people did and how much they blew him away. And so he's t- uh, saying to the people in court, I don't want you guys to uh, to feel embarrassed when I show up. And 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 as he's teaching them about this whole business of giving, he says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully each one must give as he has decided in his heart not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times you may abound in every good work you see what he's saying God. God is not going to leave you holding the bag. God's not going to leave you with empty pockets. As a matter of fact, his promise there is amazing. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency, that's you and I. In other words, having everything that I need, in all things at all times, we may abound in every good work. Move it forward. As it is written, he has distributed freely he has given to the poor his righteousness endures forever he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way isn't that like could it be clearer than that right listen God loves a cheerful giver. If you learn to become a cheerful giver, you're going to find that he's a more cheerful giver than you are. That the stuff that's that's rolling through your possession, he's just going to keep restocking the shelf over and over. Put some new new items up there as well. So both the Old Testament and the New Testament both essentially lay down the same teaching. When we give to God, God gives to us. God is not poor he's not stingy he loves to give to his he, he loves to give to his children but we have to meet his condition and his condition is give and it will be given unto you good measure pressed down shaken together running over it shall be given back to you so god tells us to give because his children because he wants his children to be like him he wants us to begin to show forth the family resemblance <coughs> god doesn't ask to gift to, <coughs> I'm sorry Oh, I'll do the fresh one. What's that? It is cold. Yes, indeed. <clears throat> okay. God does not ask us to give to him because he's in need of anything. Actually, in the Old Testament, he said, If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world is mine, and all of His fullness. So it's not as though God is lacking something. God tells us to give because he wants us to be like he is. As a matter of fact, that's the thing that is most pleasing to God. There's an old um, illustration that I've heard used a number of times, probably used it myself, about the refining of gold and how the how the refiner knows that the gold is now pure when you want to refine gold first you have to heat it up till it melts and all of the impurities will come up then the person who is refining the gold can scrape those those impurities away but here's how the the refiner knows that the gold is totally pure because he can see his face reflected in it and in terms of that being like a a lesson for us when God sees his reflection coming up out of our lives that is that is what God is looking for he wants to see that that because we are created to be exactly like Christ it's just that we've got all these impurities in there can I get a witness on that right we got all these all this junk all this dross that is kind of like marring the beautiful image but if we let God like keep the heat up and burn off all the impurities and burn off all the junk more and more and more what he will see in our life what people will see in our life will be the reflection Of the Lord Jesus, the perfect character, perfect nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, principles of giving. We've got four of them here for you this morning. And they are as follows First, give yourself to God. Scripture says, They first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. The first gift that God wants from us is ourself. God doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. He wants your love. He wants your loyalty. He wants your obedience. The first order is give yourself to God and then give a portion of what God has given to you. The Christians in Macedonia did just this and the Apostle Paul commended them for it. Number two. There. Give as God has prospered you. The Old Testament, God commanded his people to give the first tenth of all that they earned to him. In the New Testament, God has not laid down a specific amount in that way or a specific percentage uh, as to how we should give. Instead, here's what he says. Each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income as God has prospered him. Okay? Now, This is always one of those um, freaky moments for the, for the pastor. You know, it's, it's like, oh man, all these people that are like, they're tithing, now they're going to stop. They're going to go, thank you, Pastor Steve, man. I appreciate you. That was, it was putting a hurt on me, right? But I, but, but I know that that isn't going to happen. As crazy and as counterintuitive as that is, I know that that isn't going to happen because the Holy Spirit works in this whole thing and it's the Holy Spirit one way or another that gets everything done around here through gifts through money through finances through all this stuff. it's the Holy Spirit in this house and in us that keeps our lives moving in the best possible you know what is that song that we sing you know I'm uh, I'm reaching for the highest goal that I might receive the prize Right, receive the prize yeah come on come on out of my that's right you more and that's that's the point that through this whole um, reality of learning to replicate or, or, or saying Lord I want to be the person you want me to be how can I get deeper in all of this how can I grow in all of this? And God will God will challenge you here, or God will challenge you there. But the the the, the really, the, the 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 wonderful part of the whole thing is that it's all His thing. So it's not my money one way or another. It's not my building one way or another. It's not, you know what I mean. It's it's it, it all belongs to Him, and He is capable of. Making all grace abound to it so that everybody in this place will be supplied and resourced in every way that you possibly can so that you can do the same thing for this and it just keeps on cycling. Glory to God. That's how it actually works. So, what percentage of our income should we give? I would say start with about 50. You know, start there, see how that works. Now, just. I, I do think the tithe is a really good kind of basis. I'll say it that way. I, I think that that idea of 10% is pretty good, a pretty good basis. But again, this is something that you have to think through for yourself, and you, don't want, to, and you want to do that with a, a generous heart. There was a Christian businessman who had developed a great deal of the heavy earth-moving machinery. His name was R.G. Letourneau. Uh, and and largely through his equipment, he made like caterpillar style equipment, gigantic earth-moving equipment. And he w- and he was very much um, responsible for the victory, of second world uh, of the Second World War, because of the incredible machinery that he made. <coughs> he used to um, he used to he made a practice of giving ninety percent of his earnings to God. Yes, I said he made a practice of giving ninety percent of his earnings to God. One day, someone asked him, Mr. Laterno, is it true? that you give 90% of your income to the Lord. He replied, "No, I don't give God anything. It all belongs to him. I just keep back 10%." Right? There's the spirit. There's the attitude. Right? God prospered this guy like crazy. Anyway, n- number 3 is to give systematically. <clears throat> okay, giving is an act of worship. And our giving shouldn't be a hit or miss proposition. We are to give regularly. We are to give systematically on the first day of the week when we come to worship God. Here's the relevant passage of Scripture. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. No one is excluded. This applies to old, young, rich, poor, black, and white. Everyone must be involved in giving. The Bible says each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. And then, number four, give cheerfully and liberally. Whatever we give to the Lord, he wants us to give it out of a willing heart. God does not want us to give grudgingly. Here's what the Bible says. Every man, according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Smile absolutely we have a privilege of being able to be a part of you know you, people will come along and, and they might say something like hey I, I got an opportunity I'd like to get you in on the ground floor right so you, that usually means they're in some kind of a pyramid thing and they're going to invite you to be part of their their you know their sales force or whatever and you know that have if you've had people you know come along your way and that, that's fine but <coughs> People will will kind of, or maybe maybe somebody has a uh, a certain stock that they think is great, or 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 some kind of a, a new uh, business that they're raising up, or something like that. I want to get you on the ground floor. Just you, right? So it's kind of very very. I'm not telling everybody else about this, but it's gonna be a good deal for you. You know, we what God is giving to us as believers is the opportunity to be rich. In eternity to be rich in glory to actually take the things that we have and invest them in this kingdom that he gave his life for that's what he put on the table and 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 it's growing now it's been growing for 2,000 years and, and one of these days the Lord's gonna just call it all in it's gonna be done Jesus is gonna come back we're gonna forever be with the Lord and we will always always have everything. That we, that we put into that mix, there's this. <clears throat> oh, I can't come into that; it's too long. All we will always have everything that we we have given to God, everything that we have served God with, it will never be lost. I was telling this story in the first uh, service about when it was 2001, and Lorraine and I were in need of a car, so we went down to Wally. Many of you know Wally Schwartz, and uh, we were checking out some cars, and we were probably just thinking about buying a used car or something. We weren't thinking about buying a new car. And uh, <coughs> I'm walking around the showroom, and there's this uh, 2001 uh, Impala. Uh, nice. Now I'm looking, at I'm checking this thing. I'm like, you know, it's pretty good. We're not thinking about buying a new car, but it's just, it's really looking good. So finally, I go to Wally, I said, well, what's the, what's the number on that, you know? So we start talking, and... So as things would go, we we walked out of there that day with a brand new 2001 Impala, and and you know what it's like when you get something like that—a brand new car. It's like, oh man, this is this is great, right? This is this is incredible. It's wonderful, right? <coughs> but I will never forget. that Probably by the time I think it was maybe 2000 and maybe 14 or 15, so we'd had that thing for a while, put some miles on it. It was a piece of junk. <laughs> It became a complete piece of junk, and I couldn't wait to get rid of the thing. There's a guy over here that um, kind of he, he deals with used cars and, and takes old cars out and stuff like that. And I was like bugging him like Get th- you got to get this thing out of here. The head gasket was blown. One problem after anything that I tried to do, like five more things would go wrong. It was one of those kinds of things. And I was thinking, how much like life is th- is this? You know that like this thing that I want that I gotta have and then like put a couple of years on it. it's like this old piece of junk and I can't wait to get rid of the things there's nothing but a piece of garbage right that's life on planet Earth right but in heaven everything that we have everything we have stored up everything that we have nothing is going to be lost not a cup of water right not a cup of water and so that's what is to be the, the motivating aspect to all this that like how much more can I do What's, what is it possible For me to do in order to be able to get on board, to get in on the ground floor, to be part of the of the greatest thing that has ever existed, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the family of believers, the family of God. Amen. So that's what giving, I think, is all about. Not about some kind of okay, okay. How much do I have to give, Pastor Steve? Praise the Lord. Right? It's all about what can I do to be a part of this great thing that Jesus gave his life for. Let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord. (laughs) for allowing us to be a part of this glorious thing that you're building. And thank you that everything that we do, every gift that we give, every sacrifice that we make, every contribution, every offering to this, will we'll be there for eternity. You say, don't lay up your treasures on earth where people can steal them or where moths and rust can corrupt them, but lay up your treasures in heaven where nobody can affect them, where they will be safe and sound forever. And we will walk into that glorious place, and even those things that we've said before will pale just in comparison of who you are and the treasure of having you. Because you are the great treasure O Lord God and you gave yourself to us and it's just our our privilege to be able to give anything and everything that we have back to you to serve you to love you to bless you to honor you to please you in everything we do so we want to say thank you Lord for first for saving us thank you for the blood that cleanses us thank you for the hope that we have in Christ that no matter what happens in this world If the worst should happen, I'm just going to change my address. That's all. I'm never going to die. I'm never going to die. I'm going to live forever together with you. So thank you, Lord, for giving us all this uh, this wonderful opportunity to be a part of this glorious kingdom that you're building. May we always uh, give it our very best in Jesus' name. Amen.